If you hunt enough, you learn the truth. What you seek speaks a language and knows it well. That's why every Primo's call for everything you hunt is made the right way. We sweat every detail so you get more out of every hunt and nothing leaves our hand until we know it'll work in yours. Because we don't just make the world's best calls, we speak the language. Primo's. In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. And don't go gently, y'all. Oh, here we go, boys. Go. Ooh, I love that sound. This is a good one. Hello and welcome everybody to the Full Scale Outdoors Podcast. I'm Dale Luganbill. Thanks for joining me. This is your weekend recap and rant. Uh, wow, is this ever lackluster. Uh, get comfortable. You might fall asleep on this one. Good God, did I struggle. Holy smokes. Uh, so Saturday morning, we got a wild hair up our ass and decided, uh, let's go try the pond, relax for ducks. There was a decent wind. Uh, direction southerly, if I remember right. Southeast, maybe. Southwest. It was decent. So never have been there before hunted it uh we decided to give it a shot uh with uh went out with t-bone who hunts it uh quite a bit so we're like all right we can kind of show us the malax duck hunting ropes and uh, we'll tag along so we brought two boats up there we had six of us hunting so we had three in each boat and uh, put a nice little spread out um look good couple diver lines some honkers mallards some of this some of that and uh wow we just hardly saw anything like there just wasn't much moving we could see some birds flying out uh out in the gaps kind of in the main lake area and we were uh, tucked back in like a little bay off a little uh weedy point and um yeah i just there was just not much flying I mean, it was crazy, but I guess not really crazy. I experienced this one other time when we had an early cold snap and then warmed back up. It was even worse then because then it, like, froze a bunch of lakes up and then um, so pushed a shit ton of birds out, and then it got warm, and all the small lakes and ponds and stuff opened back up, and then whatever birds are around kind of spread out. I think we had science kind of the same thing happen here in Minnesota with that early October cold snap, 
Uh, I don't think we lost as many birds, though, as that other year I'm talking about. But I think once it warmed up, they still spread out, and they just got, like, super comfortable. It seemed like the birds are just, like, really stare, uh, stale, decoy shy, like, uh, just not good. I think we shot uh, one hooded merganser, and that was it. Heard a bunch of geese. Uh, they came nowhere near us. Had a loner that came in. Felt like we should have had a pretty decent chance at that one, but he just plopped down out in the middle of the bay and minded his own business. <laughs> Another hand, Mallard kind of circled around. She did the same thing, ignored us, went and just landed by herself somewhere out in the middle. It's like, what in the heck? So I don't know, we, we hunted there till about, I can't remember what it was, 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, something like that. And I uh, just decided to come back, climb into the uh, stand again, try to get some hunting in. Uh, nope, I lied. Just kidding. Uh, it wasn't as windy as I thought, so I decided to take the boat out again, do some more open water ice fishing scouting. And uh, so I did. Joel jumped in the boat with me, and we took off and um, checked some spots. Found found some crappies again. Um, was having a hard time staying on them. It wasn't too windy, but it was a little bit windy. Also, my electronics were acting up. I was getting really weird readings again on my hummingbird, which started to make me nervous because I went through this this summer. I uh, got that hummingbird with side imaging, the 7, Gen 3, Chirp, all that good stuff, and then... Was using it on whitefish, started getting really wonky readings, and when I put the boat back on the trailer, my transducer was gone, 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 like ripped out of the wires, gone. The little bracket broke. I don't, I didn't hit anything. I don't know how that happened. So I had to scramble because the tournament coming up, and I needed it, and so I was able to find. Um, one up there, uh, up at Reed's and Walker. And so I ran up there and grabbed that. They're $200 for a transducer. So that was fun. Put that on. And then that worked. Then it, and it worked for a long time, all summer long. I, I've been, been using it. Well, I shouldn't say all summer long because what that tournament was in August, I believe, or July. Or, I think it was August. So, anyways, I used it. The rest of the summer in the fall up until this very fishing adventure. And so I'm starting to get these kind of wonky readings again. I'm like, oh, I'm getting nervous. What the heck happened? But it, what was weird is that if I would power it down and then turn it back on, I would get decent readings for a while, and then it would go away again. So I don't know what that was all about. Anyway, so we, we take off to go check out some more spots, and all of a sudden I catch some movement behind me. I look, and they're st- Stupid transducer. This time, at least I caught it. The thing was like flopping in the wind. You know, the cord was flopping back there. Throttle off. Grab that thing. I'm like, and there it is. The brackets are broke again. I'm like, what in the heck? I'm going to have to get some sort of like metal bracket. Like, I'm not hitting anything. I don't know why. I don't understand why why that's happening. So if anybody out there has any tips or if you've experienced the same thing with the hummingbird transducer brackets... At least on the sevens, because I know as soon as you jump to an eight, you get t- totally different transducer. 
Um, so if anybody out there has a seven or smaller and, and if you've experienced it or you found a fix, let me know. Uh, send me a message on Facebook or something because it's I'm at when wits end with that. I'm gonna have to like MacGyver up some sort of metal bracket so it can't keep breaking like that. It just drives me nuts. So, anyways, so I'm like, well, so much for scanning. And uh, so I head over to a spot where I, already, I know there's some, and I can, we found them on the uh, the front uh, transducer. And uh, we caught a few just having some fun there, seeing as how our, our scouting mission was over. Then we decided, well, all right, well, we got tired of that. Let's go try to find, um, maybe we'll get lucky and try to find some more. Or we'll just cast for bass, and maybe we can catch a bass or something. We were only like, I don't know, half hour, half hour of good light left in the day. So we checked a spot out uh, for bass, did not get any bites, decided to check another place. And so I decided, well, you know what? I could hold this transducer in the water and should get a reading. So we started doing that. Joel's driving, and I had my hand in the water, and it water's damn cold. So I'm like, this isn't going to work. <laughs> so I need, like, clamp or pliers or something. So I found, like, the clip on my cull beam. And I clipped that on there, and I was able to hold that in the water, and so that actually worked. So we putzed around while he drove. I held the transducer in the water, and uh, we started marking some more fish. And uh, this is small pods of them, though, so we had a hard time getting on them and staying on them. But once we did get on them, they uh, they were pretty easy to catch, but they were all perch. So that didn't really helped me at all. And then right about the time we're about ready to give up, I catch a random crappie. We're like, wait a minute. And so we fished a little bit longer. She got pretty dark. Did not catch another crappie and uh, caught some more perch. And then we're like, all right, that's it. I'm done. Head back, put the boat on the trailer and head home. So now I got to fix that stupid transducer. Might be done for, I don't know. So we got snow tonight as I'm recording this on Tuesday. and But the long range forecast doesn't get that cold. I mean, in in the the lows are cold, like in the twenties, but the highs are still gonna be in the forties. So I, mean, I get a day with little wind. Be half tempted to take that boat out again. Uh, I kind of found some spots on on this lake, and so I got a couple other lakes yet. I got I'd like to check out that I have never been on. So uh, Waconia being one of them. That's on the Minnesota made schedule i've never been on that so it'd be kind of nice open water to really get a feel for how the lake sets up maybe get lucky and find some fish out there um obviously it's no guarantee they'll still be there when tournament time rolls around but i i I can at least get a good idea of how the lake sets up so even once it freezes over i can kind of narrow down my search a little bit more so i don't know uh so I'm going to have to fix that. Bottom line is I need to fix it. Whether I fix it now or fix it in spring, I'd rather just fix it now because you know what's going to happen. I'm going to forget all about it. I'll be ice fishing and spring snow will be sunning, and then ice melt. We'll get early spring or something. I'm going to want to take it out, and then I'll remember that I never fixed my transducer, and then that'll shoot a whole day right in the ass. So, yeah, I need to fix that before I'm done with the boat for the year. Or even if I am, I still need to fix it. So, anyways, there we are. And, again, if you have any ideas... Uh, the best way, my best fix for that, I am all ears. Sunday, we decided to kind of go in blind uh, on a goose hunt. 
Um, not completely blind because the landowner uh, has been sending Mike pictures of the geese flying over the field, fair amount of them. So I'm like, oh, I should be able to run some decent traffic. And I was uh, oh, decent wind, I guess, Sunday morning. So we head out there and uh, set our decoys up. It's uh, kind of, and it was warm on Sunday. So we did a little half corn, half grass, kind of let's see what they want to eat today kind of a thing. And, uh, boy, that was slow. We didn't, uh, I don't think it fired a shot. <laughs> oh, shot at a girl, maybe. That was about it. Um, yeah, it wasn't good. Uh, we saw some birds around, but they they had, they had they, they didn't seem to have any direction of what they're doing or any urgency. Uh, they definitely did not care about our calling or decoys. They never really got that close to be to begin with uh so that again another bust of a day we thought well we could hang out all day but joel had to get back and i think mike had to get back and i was like uh like well whatever we get back i'll do some deer hunting uh so i did that and came back home pretty much changed clothes and went straight out to the stand and saw absolutely nothing so that was fun <laughs> so that was that worked on monday and then so with the weather forecast it was raining all day couldn't work mike and i decided to um go fish or go uh go duck hunting this morning because when joel and i were out we saw this small little bay it had a, a pretty decent sized raft of divers on it those redheads and looked like some bluebills mixed in there and a bunch of ruddy ducks and stuff so i was like what well, that little Bay is going to set up good for a northeast wind, which is what well, it's more north than northeast, but that would work good. And so we head out there. I pull, knew something was wrong because I was on time. I was I, I actually left my house a little bit early when Mike picked me up. We headed. I already had like snacks. I didn't need to make a stop at the gas station. We're just fine. Hit the freeway. We start heading up, and all of a sudden I reach for my phone and I'm like, "It's my phone." And I remember sitting on the back of Mike's truck, right behind the cab, on the tunnel cover. But I do not remember grabbing it anywhere else. So I checked, and sure enough, I'm like, I had to have dropped that thing. You got to turn around, dude. I don't know where it's going to be. So we did the old find my phone thing, which actually worked. I mean, it was like, I, I it told me it was on the freeway. I'm like, oh, God. So we do a U-turn, turn around again. We're going up there, pull off on the like the shoulder, start going slower, looking for it. And I'm like, the the problem to find a find your phone like app is that it doesn't show your current location; it just shows you where your phone is. First of all, it took us forever to figure out how to sign into my phone on Mike's phone so that we could even find the damn thing. Uh, I feel like there should be an easier way. Anyways, but maybe not. I suppose there's security issues and whatever else. Uh, so now I'm like cross-referencing Google Maps with the find a phone, and I'm like, okay, I think it's here. They, I think, oh shit, I think we passed it. So instead of big, doing the big loop, I just got out and and walked the freeway. It's dark, you know, traffic's going everywhere. I'm trying to find it. I got Mike's phone, got the light on Mike's phone, and I'm trying to find it. And I'm checking the map, cross-referencing where I'm at, where I'm at, where it is, where I'm at, where it is, trying to get a decent idea where it's at. And I don't know if I just didn't operate programs long enough, this phone went to sleep, or I accidentally hit the button and locked it, but 
I don't know Mike's password. So now I basically have a fancy flashlight. <laughs> I have no idea where I am. I have no idea where my phone is. I'm walking down the freeway at night or early morning, whatever whatever you want to call it, and uh, not finding it. Finally, like, there's land, like, these ponds off on the right of the freeway. I'm like, okay, what's north of there? And all of a sudden I look through the trees and, like, the moonlight, and I could see the pond. I'm like, ah, crap, I went too far. So I turn around, and I'm walking back, and I'm scanning, and I'm scanning, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm not finding this thing. This is ridiculous. I can't use the map anymore to cross-reference because I locked the phone. I'm like, ooh, I wonder if Siri would answer me or if it's just uh, – so I hit – he has uh, an older iPhone, so I hit the – held the phone – the button down, and uh, this little Siri icon came up, and I was like, call Dale. Sure enough, it called me. I'm like, oh, sweet. Well, I can, at least I can do that. Maybe my phone will light up and I can see it. And I'm checking the shoulder, and I'm checking the grass, and every time a truck comes by or a car, I'm, like, using its headlights to kind of look down on the shoulder. Walk, 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 walk. I finally find it. It's like you're sitting on the shoulder. I, don't, I, I walked right past it already somehow and didn't see it. And when we swooped off the freeway onto the shoulder to look, we must have just missed it. I mean, just missed it. The good news is didn't break or anything so uh good job on the case whoever makes it i don't i think it's just an otter yeah i'm pretty sure it's an otter case so good job protected it from bouncing down the freeway at least it didn't get run over so i mean that that whole fiasco burned up like an hour so now we still got to get to the lake first we get to the lake and the sun's coming up you know it's like oh god thank god this isn't a weekend we'd be those guys right um but i did think to myself next time you are out hunting and somebody shows up right at legal and they're putzing around and i know we get really pissed off and get really irritated keep in mind maybe something happened <laughs> like losing your phone because uh it definitely did happen to me fortunately being midweek there was nobody else at the landing so that was not a problem the place we we're going to hunt i doubt anybody else hunts uh it's not a super obvious spot um and with no boats at the landing, I was like, well, no blood, no foul. So, anyways, we motor on down there. We get to the bay, and there's a raft of birds out there. It's so like, sweet, they're here. You know, we drive through. Some hop up, and they fly around. And then we set up, throw out all our decoys out, uh, get a nice little spread, get the boat tucked in there. And we sit and 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 don't see anything. That raft is over there like the whole freaking time. They're not moving. They're not doing anything. Usually, And then eagles are flying around. Usually you can get like some help from the eagles. Like when they swoop down, kind of freaks the ducks out, and they do like a hot lap around the lake. Nope. They didn't give two shits about those eagles. I was watching them through binoculars. They didn't dive. They didn't do nothing. They just sat there. Oh, man. <sighs> This is just not good. And a few times we had a couple flocks look like they were coming right at us and then just not do it. We had a three-pack of ringers. They shorted us twice, two different times they came in and then landed. And then they were, like, just chilling out there. They're halfway down our diver line, just out of range, literally heads tucked in, sleeping in the decoys. I'm like, oh, my God, you got to be kidding me. Uh, so uh, we hunted till about 11 o'clock, and they're like, all right, let's pack up. So we pack up and had the pickup flocks of all pickup flocks. 
Mike's out of the boat. He's got his waders on. He's got the decoy grabber. He's grabbing things. He kind of punches through the bottom a little, a little mucky, and he's like, got a little nervous. He's like, oh, I think I punched through bog or something. He's like, you're going to have to get the boat out and come get me. I'm like, oh, okay. And we'd already cased our guns, and all of a sudden, here comes this huge flock of divers coming right at us. I'm like, oh, look at this crap. So they come in, of course, these skin. And Mike's like, grab your gun, load your gun, load your gun. I'm like, well, no, I got to get you. You're like, I don't want you to drown or whatever's going to happen. He's like, oh, I'm fine. Just load your gun. I'm like, all right, well, they already went away. All of a sudden, they turn around to come back. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Never get my gun loaded. And that, that second time around, I mean, they did it so nice. There was one that was so close. And the whole main flock came in and turned broadside. They were going to put down, and then they're like, oh, crap, there's people there. The blind is down. Mike's out of the boat. I'm standing up. It's like they don't care. So everything we're like, is our hide not good enough? Is this, that? No, it's just that's just how our luck is going this weekend and kind of season-wide. Like, we just has not been a great season for us this year. So that was uh, pretty ridiculous. And, um, yeah, so I quick take my gun out of the case and I throw three shells in there and of course they don't come back around so that's that empty it recase it finish picking up head out <laughs> it's like unbelievable so same thing like you know what weather's coming in maybe the deer move let's go sit in the stand uh, I just got out of the stand a little bit ago about an hour ago I suppose as I record this it's 6.35 on a Tuesday night and saw nothing so yeah, that was, uh, there's your recap. Pretty amazing. I know it's just fantastic, just crushing them, just killing it out there. <laughs> it was not a good weekend. Uh, but what are you going to do? Can't win them all, right? So, anyways, got more time coming up. Um, what was I going to rant about? Shoot, I had a couple different things I was looking at. Hmm, let me go to the, what was I looking at here online? Do, 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 oh, the, re, the requested, um, not requested, the bluegill limits that they're looking at putting in here in Minnesota. Uh, they got a couple experimental, that was an old argument, so they they had all, or not argument, they had a whole uh, article that I was reading, so they had all the, like, town hall or, uh, input meetings uh, scheduled out. Those are back in October. So those have come and gone. Um, but they're looking at um, a couple lakes they're going to put. I don't think they're putting size limits on, but they're going to decrease the um, the limit on, a, on some experimental lakes and see how it goes. <sighs> but I just don't... Uh, 26 counties. They're lowering bag limits on lakes in 26 counties. That seems like a good idea on the surface. But what I'm nervous about is that if you're lowering limits on lakes to get bigger bluegills, we know that gills are really susceptible to getting stunted. So if you're not taking enough of them out of the lake... Aren't you just kind of running the risk of getting stunted gills? I mean, I'm no fisheries biologist, so I mean, really, what I should do is I need to track somebody down. Uh, so here's another shout out. Anybody out there knows somebody that's actually working for the DNR or is a fisheries 
scientists, biologists that uh, uh, send them my way. We'll do a whole episode. I could I could talk to them for days about that. That would be interesting. But on the surface, it just seems to, uh, to me, it's like, I'm not saying they should raise a limit. I would like to see more of like, not necessarily a slot, but like an upper limit. Like nine inches, right? You can keep anything nine inches and smaller. And then you know how they do with like other like walleyes. You can whatever the slot is or whatever the limit. And then one over in case you wanted to keep a trophy, right? I mean, who doesn't want a nice big trophy 10 inch uh, or 11 inch? bluegill on your wall but with those it's nice how you like to have multiples you know you get them on a piece of driftwood you have school and i get that so why not something like uh whatever the limit is going to be let's just call it 10 bluegills uh under nine inches with only two over nine as trophies allowed in the bag or whatever so that way you're not, you know, that one way you're still taking out the little ones, you know, and then if you do catch a, a true stud, you can put it on the wall. Or I would even say two over ten or two at ten or nine and a half or something like that. And I know it brings in, I somebody was telling me, and they're like, well, the counter argument to that is like, that's a lot of measuring for the DNR. You know, if somebody pulls up and he's going to start measuring all these bluegills they have in the live well and... I don't want to sound callous, but it's kind of their job. I mean, how how is having to measure some bluegills any different from having to measure walleyes or bass on any given lake that has a slot limit? I don't I don't know why that'd be any different. I mean, I guess it'd be more. You know, if you're looking at 15 fish limit for bluegills or 10 or whatever they're going to turn it into. Yeah, you're going to have to sort through it, but you have a bump board. You can do it pretty quick. And Again, like I said, it's your job. I mean, I, if we're looking for making a better bluegill fishery, are we not going to do the best possible thing just out of laziness? Like, that doesn't seem to make any sense at all. And again, this is a lot of bro science. I could be completely talking out my ass here. Um, but as I understand it, you know, bluegills can get stunted really easy, so I'm not so sure that a lower bag limit is the route to go versus just letting more of those big dogs get bigger. And that's why that 9-inch range, because a 9-incher, that's a, I mean, a 9-inch bluegill is a pretty nice bluegill. Like, that, that's, that's a good one. I would love to have a limit of 9-inch bluegills uh, for a tournament. However, you know you know what I just thought of is if we did enact that limit, well, if it was statewide, I guess it would be a problem. But if one of the lakes that just happened to be in our tournament series had these experimental regulations, that could be a problem. Uh, <laughs> but again, like if you keep it at nine, I mean, nines are, nines are pretty big. Not, you know, and it's not too often we're catching a ton of nine inch gills, even on these tournament lakes. So, I guess we'd have to cross that bridge if we ever come to it. But anyways, that's my take on that. Um, interested in what you guys think about it. Head up to the social medias, uh, Full Scale Outdoors on Facebook. There's Full Scale Outdoors group. Go ahead and join that. Perfect place for this kind of discussion. Let me know what you think. 
Um, hell, you can do it on my personal page. That's fine. Uh, Instagram or Snapchat. And uh, I guess lately, this uh, new thing, I guess I don't know if it's new, but it's new to me. This, uh, what the hell is it called? Um, ah, crap. I don't remember what it's called now. Anyways, there's a new, uh, new social media platform. All the conservatives and stuff are going to that's not going to be censored and all this other bullshit. So I'm on there. Uh, Luganville D. So if you find, you know, which, oh, parlor. There it is. Woohoo. Thanks brain. Thanks for pulling that out of thin air. So I'm on parlor too. Now, so if you want to, if you're on there, uh, whatever, if you don't want to get on there, I don't care. I understand. It's a whole nother thing, but I don't know with the state of the state when everybody's so divided, I feel like that community might grow kind of fast so figured what the hell better make an account see what happens so anyways i'm on there too we can just however you can get a hold of me get a hold of me let me know what you think about these proposed regs and if somebody's living this uh listen to this out of state out of minnesota if you have if your state has anything like this or you think I don't know, just let me know. Uh, anything. You can weigh in. Did they do something? Did it fail? What worked? What didn't work in your state? Uh, I'd be curious. So, anyways, that's that. Uh, we'll talk to y'all later. I got nothing else for you. Whatever your passion, pursue it. Full scale. You'd think, with four of us spread out on a tiny island, that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. I'm Will Cooper, host of Hunt Stand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more.